What kind of tractors you got? Just out of curiosity. Kubota. We have four Kubota tractors. Kubota is pretty big in our area. They've got a mm. really big dealer network as they do most places. So I'm uh, a pretty big fan of, or I have been a pretty big fan of Kubota too, until some of this tier four stuff. Yeah. You know, that's the, I, I actually worked for a Kubota tractor dealer for a short time doing sales. And I, at the time, tier four in the 25 to 75 horse range was just rolling out. And I, at the, at that point, I had a pretty high appreciation for the brand name and, and the dealer network and, mm-hmm. and, and the value, but it kind of all changed once I started using John Deere tractors at my last course. Okay. And I mean, they, they've got both Kubota and John Deere and we have one new Kubota. And I think once that happened, that whole Yanmar engine management that the John Deere tractors utilize, I mean, it shows its uh, superiority pretty mm-hmm. quickly in a more seamless kind of operator experience. Mm-hmm. I think my, yeah, that's my, no, my I, perspective. I would, I would agree. You know, you're not you're not pressing buttons all the time and and dealing with you know you got to turn the throttle up to a certain point or or any of that from my, from my experience with it. So, but both good tractors. We've got some hours and some abuse on on some of our old dogs, and they just keep ticking. So, well, and that'd been my experience with the older Kubotas. I mean, you can't kill them almost. We, we, (laughs) we inadvertently apparently tried to uh, kill one with the salt damage. Our course is responsible for the private road that um, leads into it, which is about a half mile long, I want to say. So they plow and salt and all that. And they've traditionally always done that with a tractor. They plow with a truck, salt with a tractor. And, you know, Clearly don't like almost every golf course, say piece of equipment, it gets washed 90%. So that 10% happened to be under the seat where the top of the transmission is. We ended up finding a leak up there this spring. Like, man, what the heck's leaking? I looked at that whole valve bank on top and couldn't find it. And I start picking away at the rust and the whole top of the transmission is like, kind of looks like and feels like about the thickness of a potato chip oh wow it's just rotted right away you know just like the pits are amazingly deep and yeah so we like you know we gingerly use that tractor like don't drive it too fast and you know don't get it too hot otherwise the the cob job we had to to to, to use to make it work for the season uh, may mm-hmm. not hold up <laughs> right, 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 right. but yeah awesome well we'll get rolling if you're ready Cool. Yeah. Welcome to the Real Turf Techs podcast for the technician that wants to get real. Follow along as we talk to industry professionals and address hot topics that we all face. Along the way, we'll learn tips and tricks. I'm your host, Trent Manning. Let's have some fun. Welcome to the Real Turf Techs podcast, episode 30. Today we're talking to Matt Hyde. He's the equipment manager at Skyler Meadows in Lodenville, New York. Skyler Meadows is an 18-hole private club built in the 1920s. Matt is the sole technician in the shop and mostly has Toro equipment. Let's hear what Matt has to say. Welcome, Matt, to the Real Turf Techs podcast. How you doing today, Matt? 
I'm great. Thanks for having me, Trent. Thank you so much for coming. We'll have a blast like we always do. And Absolutely. The, the listeners enjoy it. Tell us how you got into the turf industry. Well, um, kind of a little bit of my background. I grew up like a lot of kids in the 80s and 90s working on mechanical stuff, cars, three-wheelers, four-wheelers, dirt bikes, whatever, any anything that you could get on and ride. And a few other things up until the mid-2000s, I got into the landscape maintenance business, owned a business for about eight years. Okay. And in the midst of doing that, we started racing dirt modified race cars on our local dirt tracks. Is that um, circle track stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And did that for about five years. And when I kind of got uh, burned out of the, the landscape world, we made it through the, the recession, but it was pretty difficult. And my return to the real world, which is in quotes in my mind, mm-hmm. the, the working for someone else and collecting a paycheck was difficult. It took a couple of years to really find something. And, and what I found ended up being a job posted on Craigslist. I was looking for a job in 2014. Saw an ad, sounded cool. It was this golf course about a half an hour north of here. I applied, interviewed, had a great interview, didn't get hired. They ended up hiring a former automotive technician, okay. which is uh, kind of a common story. Mm-hmm. I see it all over, hear about it all over. He passed my resume on to a couple of his friends because he's like, man, I really like this guy. We had a great interview. I got a call from another superintendent later that year had an awesome interview with him. I mean, three plus hour, you know, just great time. Mm -hmm. He decided not to replace his existing technician, called me back late in 2015. It was one of those calls like, you know, it's been a while and I hope you remember me, but if you're interested, you know, that I got that job open, if you know, if you want it. And the timing was, it was just right. Things weren't working out well again and with what I was doing. And I took it and I was there for five years. Okay. And I obviously learned a lot, accomplished basically everything I wanted to do there. And then moved on to Skylar Meadows Club last November. Okay. So I've been there a little under a year and everything's going great. Very similar courses, but a lot of differences in, in the maintenance. So it's, it's still interesting every day. And uh, I, I really think really the background that I had in owning my own business and in being involved in racing, both were mm-hmm. huge in helping me get my first job in the industry and in doing well at it. It was, I think, easy for them to understand, all right, this guy can make responsible choices with our money. He's done it with his own business with regard to preparing race cars. Attention to details is mm-hmm. huge and just the, you know, the confidence in trying to do the right thing. When it's your your business on the line or your butt on the line, you kind of you know, have to right. have to try to do the right thing. Is there anything in particular that kind of drew you to golf? No, like not at all. It seems like, you know, a lot of your guests are either they start on a crew and and move up or, or they see that Craigslist ad. I've heard it from a lot of people over the years and the position really interested me because the way it was described is like, it's kind of your, it's kind of your show that you can, you can take care of the maintenance on your, on our fleet of equipment, the way you think you should. And, uh, you know, we're not going to stand in your way of, uh, of doing things that you really want to do. Uh, 
So it was attractive in that it wasn't say like a, what I consider a normal mechanics job where you show up at a, a shop or a dealer or somewhere and, and, and there's five, 10 other guys doing the same thing you are. It's all on you. So it's exciting that you've got to thrive to kind of survive in it. Did you find it difficult to learn cutting units and real sharpening and that, that kind of stuff? I really didn't. That was kind of one of the most intriguing things about it. It's like, wow, look, we're going to cut this grass at, at this height. Mm -hmm. We went out and walked on, on a green and I'm like, there's, there's like no grass here. And, uh, but, but after doing it, uh, I found that I really enjoyed it. That's one of my favorite parts of the job. Again, a lot of people say the same thing. There's satisfaction in, you know, setting up a, a, a greens mower. That's like perfect. And then guys take it out and cut and come back and say, man, greens look good today. A cut looks great today. Everything's working great. Mm -hmm. And I actually had Greg Lashansky. I hope I'm not butchering his last name from I can't Foley. pronounce his last name either. So it's yeah, he was in the area and our local Toro rep offered to, I was like, Hey, he's in, he's in the area. If you want him to come by and, and, and have him show you really how to use your real grinder, uh, spend a couple hours, he'll do it. I'm like, absolutely. Mm. So he was the first person since the last technician left to, to turn the thing on, you know, so we went oh, wow. through and okay. we cleaned it up and we cleaned out the vacuum and, and, and blew it all out, made sure it was level. I mean, we did the whole thing and it was great that he did that for us. And he even gave me a, a couple pointers on using our bed knife grinder, which wasn't a Foley product. Okay. But, you know, clearly he knew I was thrown mm -hmm. into this thing and that was in, I want to say the beginning of February and we kind of start cutting in end of March, beginning of uh, April. And there wasn't a whole lot of time to, to grind everything right. and it worked out great. That's awesome. Walk us through your daily shop routine. So a lot of your guests and unlike my first course where a lot of the same things a lot of guys do get out in the morning, check the cut machines, start rolling in in a couple hours, work on them. We don't have a lot of play at our course, perfect amount of members, but they just don't play a lot. Mm -hmm. And we're able to do midday afternoon dry cuts very regularly if weather allows. So I'm often coming in in the morning, looking at yesterday's mowers. That okay. came in at two thirty, three o'clock, whatever. You know, it's nice. They've had time to sit there and dry out. It's not nice because if they want to use them at 9 a.m., I've got a short time frame to get things in order. Mm -hmm. uh, so the end of the day is uh, hustling like a lot of guys do at five or six in the morning to get stuff ready for the next day. So get in, take care of the rest of yesterday's mowers, move on to... Oh, if I've got to do some grinding of backup units, anything that, that was left broke down or damaged from the, from the previous day, we'll take care of that. We do a lot of hover mowing. We've got, I think, seven hover mowers. Okay. And every time they use them, you know, we sharpen them. So usually two days a week, I'll be sharpening hover mowers. The stainless steel double-sided ones, they get about maybe two hours and they're and they're not sharp enough to, to do a good job. So I, I try to get to them as, as often as possible. So I usually take care of them in, in the mid morning and then move on to any you know other repairs or PM stuff that's scheduled around lunchtime. We eat lunch kind of at 11 on the dot and the rest of the day is you know, finish up PMs or whatever. And then as maybe T-mowers, fairway mowers kind of start rolling in, get a jump on them for the next day. Gotcha. I try to just, just focus on preparing for the next day. I don't spend a lot of time out on the golf course unless I've made any changes. 
Mm-hmm. We're pretty consistent with everything we do. Not a lot of height changes, not a ton of cultural work during the year. A lot of detail work in the shop gets done and I'm pretty confident when the machine goes out and we got some good operators. So I don't have a ton to worry about. Unlike my first golf course I worked mm-hmm. at, we don't do hardly any hand mowing, you know, walk mowers for greens or anything right, like right, that. Right. I, I kind of found over the years prior, that was where I'd go out and find people doing the wrong things is walking greens, mowers, walking tea mowers around, trailering them around. We don't do that. So uh, a lot of those things are kind of a non-factor. And this is the first year that Skylar Meadows hasn't walk mowed greens a single time. And uh, we're getting excellent results. Superintendent's very happy. So I'm happy. Uh, is that due to labor shortage? A little bit. Trying to just get more done with the same amount of guys and prepare mm. for the shoulder seasons where there's less guys. We rely heavily on a bulk of the staff members, high school, college age people. Right. It rapidly goes from like 20 to seven, you know, yeah, at yeah, the yeah. end of the year, yeah. then in the beginning of the year, you start out with the same seven, eight people. That's allowed them to keep up on all the other detail work and still have excellent greens. So I think that's really the factor in, in making that uh, change. So uh, it's worked out great. We've got plenty of equipment to do both walk, mow and or triplex, depending mm-hmm. on the day or whatever, but not once this year did we pull out any of the walking greens mowers. So yeah, nice. happy with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to Brian Bressler the other day, and I can't remember. He's got like 50 walking greens mowers. I mean, it's, like, it's absurd. Yeah. The number of uh, walking mowers he's got. I actually enjoyed working on them, strangely enough. I mean, it at my last course, we had about 22, I think, uh, walking greens, tea approach collar mowers mm-hmm. and uh, half uh, Toro and half uh, Baroness, which not a lot of people own, not a lot of people use. And those were kind of my babies. When I showed up there, they were clearly never taken care of. And we basically stripped them right down to a bare frame and kind of rebuilt them out of necessity. And I kind of held those close to my heart. You know? <laughs> yeah, I don't have any experience with Baroness, but I have heard other people talk about them being pretty good. What was your experience? My experience is with their triplex, their 22 inch walk mowers and their sand pro trap rake, whatever mm-hmm. bunker rake. I th- think it's extremely underrated as far as a machine. The company, in my experience, was very good. For such a small part of the U.S. market, they seem to support the machines well with parts and with technical support. Rarely was ever a part not in stock. And in rebuilding these walk mowers, we bought a lot of weird parts. You you can tell they'd, they'd been sitting in you know, California, wherever their warehouse is here for a long time, but they, they had it all. I really enjoyed working with their triplex the last year I was at my, my previous golf course. They just purchased one and it was amazing how well it worked and the pricing was excellent. It was a fully featured three-wheel drive diesel 
groomers, rear roller brushes, you know, powered. And I, I think it was 10,000 less than any of the comparable machines from any of the other companies. Mm. It's kind of like, wow, why would you not buy this if you've got a dealer in your area? But they're a little different to maintain and work on than say if you use to Toro or John Deere or Jacobson. It's almost like working on maybe like a Japanese car or a Japanese motorcycle. If you're used to working on a Harley or, or a Chevy, you know, they just do things different. The design, the engineering is is just different. It's not better. It's not worse. The manuals for them are probably the greatest thing. You probably could flip through one of the service manuals and enjoy reading it because hmm. the, the way they do it, it's clear that this is a machine distributed throughout the world. And we have the luxury of, of having a lot of resources. A lot of places around the world don't have the things that we take for granted here. Mm -hmm. These manuals, they literally tell you to like drive bearings in and out with a screwdriver and a hammer. Oh, wow. Well. <laughs> and, and it's like, well, you know, people are doing it. So you may as well just come out and say it, you know, right. there's almost no special tools that they show in any of their manuals. There is a special tool, like say a, a funny wrench for making an adjustment. It pretty much comes with the machine. It's real interesting brand. They have really good support in the field support guy, uh, this fellow Graham, who's a Kiwi, he's a New Zealand, I think it's where he's from. One of the better guys to get cutting unit info from that I've met over the last six years. He's been a lot of places that a lot of, a lot of people haven't. Mm -hmm. So, uh, enjoyed working on the machines and, and I wouldn't hesitate to get involved in one uh, or more again. Good stuff. Awesome. Do you relief grind reels? I relief grind them whenever possible. So everything that gets done in the off season or the slow seasons gets relief ground mid season try to do it when I can, but a lot of times it's just a, a spin and, and put it back together, particularly with our fairway mowers. Our grinders that we have, particularly the real grinder, it's kind of slow compared to what I'm used to. Usually it's uh, mid-season, it's often a, a spin and, and go, unless the relief is mostly ground out of it, then I'll spend the time and, and re-relief grind it. Most of my grinding in the season is with fairway units. We hit a ton of heads in our fairways. For whatever reason, the soil, they move a lot and mm -hmm. they twist it, you know, they get uneven very quickly and bend a lot of bed knives and, and break some reels more than I'd like, but mm -hmm. it is what it is. Keeps me busy. I believe in relief grinding. That's one of those arguments that all of us can have and everybody's got their own take on it. My thought always is if you can show me a negative to relief grinding, I'd be happy to entertain your theory. But other than the time it takes to do it, I can't see one. Right, right, right. No, I'm with you. Tell us something you've fabricated lately. Well, our welder is more or less crap. So I've done minimal fabrication at Skylar Meadows. We're actually working on purchasing a new kind of big full-featured MIG welder right now. The only thing I've really done is repurposed an old bench that was stamped steel legs for the lack of a better word and then was designed to be bolted to a wood top or a, or a sheet metal thin sheet metal top mm -hmm. and i kind of had these big benches in there when i arrived and it was taking up a lot of room and i took them all apart and i used a bunch of the legs got a thick you know plate steel top and put something together that matches the height of the real grinder and this kind of shop cart that we have for rolling reels around. 
So it's an easy little table to work on hover mowers and reels on. I kind of push them around to get them from place to place rather than trying to carry them or roll them on the floor. So we built that. I try to work at a comfortable height and I want to say it's like 36 inches high. It's pretty tall. So I can kind of mm-hmm. stand there and not hunch at all. And it works right, out right, great. Right. But in the, in the non-traditional fabrication, I've been working on this month, Google Drive maintenance and repair logging and uh, parts inventory with a reorder system. So that's been, that's been going on. I don't know. Could you explain a little bit about, you know, I'm a sucker for Google Drive. Explain well, you probably, the reorder system. Sure. You probably know a thousand times more about Google Drive than I do. But I'd used at my previous course, a system called Turf Cloud, which is okay. a job board with a stuff attached to it, which seems to be you know, a common thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Turf Cloud, which is a really simple, easy to use job board, has its own equipment management section, which is more or less kind of a notepad, but it, it logs in whatever repairs you want to put in and you're able to sort by machine and by date range. So you can go back and verify what you did or if you don't know when an oil changes, it's very easy to go back and look through your records. They're just not very detailed. So I just used a Google sheet and put in a sheet for every machine with its own name. So instead of Toro 5010H number one, it's just fairway one, fairway two, fairway three, Mm -hmm. you know, a basic name for everything. And then I did a form to drop information into the form responses. Okay. And then did some YouTube searching, watched a couple of videos, figured out a formula that I could use to drop the form responses into each sheet and get it arranged the way I want to see it. And it works really good. Okay. Uh, you know, it's simple. Uh, it doesn't have anything fancy going on, but it, it allows me to track dates, hours, repairs, and costs to each machine. And then on each sheet, I put another box or chart or whatever that I just labeled as quick reference that just has the make the actual model number. So if it's Toro, the five digit number, the serial number, the engine, like say, if it's got a gas engine, you know, the Briggs, whatever with the engine numbers, and then all the basic stuff for PM. So air filters, oil filters, what kind of oil it takes. Just so if I want to do a quick oil change on something, I can just pop it up take all the part numbers out of inventory, go grab them out of the shelf and go do the maintenance. Are you using it also for inventory? I'm using a separate sheet for inventory because I'm okay. not smart enough to figure out at all how to link any of this stuff together. Mm-hmm. But for inventory, I've got a, a sheet for each brand of part with all the pertinent information. I try to log every interchange number that I can in each part number. So say you buy, you buy a Toro air filter for a, a greens mower. It's a Subaru air filter. Uh, I'll have the Subaru number listed uh, with the Toro part. Then on the Subaru sheet, I'll have the Toro number listed under the Subaru, next to the Subaru right, right, right. or Honda number or Kawasaki number, whatever. Mm-hmm. So if, and like we're all running into this now with things being out of stock and back order, I've got my choice of two or three places I can get something from, whether it's a Napa filter or a Toro filter or a Honda filter, I'll find one somewhere. And then I added another sheet that if I've got a quantity of zero and, and a reorder quantity of more than zero, it just drops the part number description and then quantity on hand and reorder quantity into its own sheet. 
So more or less just for convenience. If I forget to write it down, which I could easily do at mm-hmm. any time, it, it gives me a reference. I don't have to go back and look at a notepad. If I use the last bolt or whatever filter, whatever it may be, it's there to tell me. And when I go to go buy some repair parts at, at our local dealer, I can just look on my phone and be like, oh, well, I could also use this, this, and this. Let's save a trip, grab everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so that works out well. And it was free. I tried the accompanying equipment management section for the job board that we have at the golf course. And it was just too much. It was more than I needed, more than I wanted, required too many keystrokes, too many clicks. And I think it was really something that is better for a bigger operation. One guy in a shop doesn't need, need all the functionality that had. So we went with the Google drive version and it's, it's free and works very well. Yeah, no, it's awesome to hear. And I would probably be interested in seeing that if you wouldn't mind sharing it. Absolutely. The only thing that you probably want to see is the formulas, but I'll send you pictures or I can share the whole file. It doesn't matter. You know, the old adage that there's a bunch of ways to skin a cat and we all go about a little bit different, but you can pick up good ideas here and there. And yeah, absolutely. You know, come up with your own system. Sure. What's your favorite tool and why? So I have two actual favorite tools, not most important tool. I've got a S-Wing short little drilling hammer, like a little three pound hammer that's like, you know, okay, yeah. 12 inches long that I've had since I was probably 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And a, I forget the brand name, but it's an American made old style four in one screwdriver. Okay. You know, yep, like yep. You, it's got the you know tubular mm-hmm. barrel, you flip the bits around that I've had since I was probably 14, 15 years old. And uh, I always look at that hammer and it's all steel with that rubber grip on it. And it's just, I mean, there's so many dings and dents. It, it looks like it's been in, in a war. And I look at it, I'm like, man, think of all the things I've done with this. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'd hate yeah. to lose it. So it's got sentimental value. And the same thing mm-hmm. with that screwdriver, which incidentally is like the best screwdriver I've ever had for taking carburetor jets out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're ground, I think they call them hollow ground. The shaft is round and then the end of the flat bits are not tapered. Mm-hmm. They're the, the flats are perfectly parallel. Right. So it never strips out jets in, in small engine cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. you know, and it, it's it's super handy. So if I lost either one of those, I'd be heartbroken. That's that's good. <laughs> yeah, and that's why it's your favorite tool, not the most important tool or anything like that. Sure. Because there's usually usually a story behind your favorite tool. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of important tools that we all use, whether it's your cell phone or the internet or your grinder Mm -hmm. or your height of cut gauge or whatever. So uh, yeah, those are, those are my favorites. I love them. What do you like best about your job? Like a lot of your guests have have said, there's something new around every corner. The variety of things that you do, it, it just keeps it interesting. You can't get bored doing what we do. You know, it's always a flow of something and the independence that it gives you in a way to be able to just make your own choices and, and figure out a system, put it in place and watch it work. Right, right. What is the strangest thing you've seen at work? So I haven't seen one strange thing at my current golf course, but about three or four years ago at uh, my prior course, at Mohawk Golf Club. You didn't have to say their name. <laughs> That's okay. It's totally fine. Um, yeah, I got you. There, there was a fellow mowing greens up towards the clubhouse, and someone had from 
just outside the property line been shooting arrows at him while he was mowing greens okay like legit like whatever i don't hunt so i don't know bows that well but they it wasn't like the tips with the razor blades but it was the ones you'd shoot at hay bales or targets yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. there was some kids or whatever shooting arrows at at the green while this guy was walk mowing oh, wow. it was real real weird so that was yeah that was pretty strange pretty strange yeah there was another thing that has happened that i guess it's not strange but it's strange to me and i think it's strange to probably most americans so have you ever had a battery blow up in anything while you were working on it? No, not personally. Okay. So we had a big Ford backhoe with a big monster battery, like almost two guys with two handles to stick it in this thing. And it didn't fit mm-hmm. right. And the hood didn't close right over the top of it. And clearly it wasn't the right battery, but it's what whoever put in there, put in. And uh, one morning backhoe wouldn't start. Long story short, I kind of, you know, leaned over the side behind the center console where the key switch is. Key switch meaning you put a screwdriver in it and turn it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This this baby was old. And as soon as I turned that key, I thought the world ended around me. Because that battery is right on top of the hood, right under the sheet metal of the hood. And it took me a few seconds to realize what just happened here. And, you know, the like parts flying all over the place, acid all over the mm-hmm. electrolyte all over the place. I couldn't hear the fella, you know, 20 feet away from me, couldn't hear his ears were ringing. We were finding battery parts on the roof of the building, on the other side of the building. And there was one of our guys who is a, a older Italian fellow. He's been in the U.S. for, for a couple of decades, but he spent a lot of time in Italy and he looks over. And then just goes back to work. And I talked to him later on and he's like, that happens all the time in Italy. Like, nope, what's the big deal? Mm. (laughs) So that was an interesting uh, thing to have happen. And and more interesting that there's people out there that can completely ignore a a 120 pound battery blowing up in your face. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder wonder what they got going on in Italy. Oh, they have a lot going on over there. He's an old truck driver and excavator kind of guy. And Mm -hmm. uh, he's got some great stories, but turns out the, the battery actually was broken because it didn't fit right. The hood had damaged it and cracked the top of the case. And Mm -hmm. well, something happened, maybe loose terminal hydrogen coming out at the right time. Yeah. 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 Bad news. <laughs> Crazy. What's one of your pet peeves around the shop? Around the shop, it's all the usual stuff. Not cleaning mowers, just not doing the right thing. So all I ask for, for people is just, just try to do the right thing. So I've got nothing interesting to say as far as around the shop. In the industry, though, I, I guess the best way to put it is the blanket statement. So red mowers are better than green mowers. Red mowers are better than orange mowers. That stuff drives me nuts. <clears throat> Listening to people that haven't even used all the big three brands of equipment, try to tell someone what's what's the best without even knowing what they need. It yeah. just drives me nuts. Look, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. You know, it's very uh, frustrating. Well, there's no absolutes in this business. The only thing is what's best for you in your situation, not what's the best. So... Yeah, that, that, that closed-minded, this is better than that, no matter what, drives me crazy. Yeah. yeah. And when somebody asked in a group how to, you know, they're having a problem with this mower and they say, oh, it just changed colors. Yeah. You know, just go yeah. buy another mower because you know that guy really has that option of buying right. a new mower. That's not, not him. 
Not one single person in the world is asking a question on Facebook on how to get their mower back in action. Is like, oh, I could just pull that fifty thousand out of my pocket and go buy another one. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. Exactly. No, never going to yeah. happen. You know, and that whole thing having an absolute hundred percent answer for for anything it kind of happens all over in this industry mm. i feel you know one of your guests prior had mentioned something about turning machines to factory specs and and being like that's kind of our job is we're mechanics we return the machine to factory specifications we maintain it to factory specifications mm-hmm. which i i agree with that's like a good way to do things but my question to all that is is the factory always right and the answer in a lot of cases is yes but some cases, no, you know, you can read through manuals and there's, there's information in there that just isn't going to work for you. There's a reason why people buy certain aftermarket parts. OEM mm-hmm. parts aren't always the best part, you know? So I think keeping our machines in the state they need to be in for our course and our environment is my idea of, of the right way. Well, and I mean, you know, there's, you know, a lot of people in the industry that make the manufacturer's machine better by oh, yeah. whatever to it. Sure. Better. Yeah. Yeah. There's all the excellent add-on accessories and undoubtedly some of the advancements that the OEMs have made have been driven by feedback from users over mm-hmm. the years. It's the natural progression of things. Just that the whole idea of there's an absolute right or wrong answer. I actually have been to a few lectures where I thought they were really good or I thought they weren't that good, but in both cases, they were contradictory to someone else's lecture or someone else's document or someone else's whatever it may be. And all these people are right. And all these people are doing the right thing and mm-hmm. just going about it different ways. Right, right, right. What would be your dream job or opportunity? My dream job would be doing something in the racing world. Like I mentioned before, we raced dirt modified which in, in our area, it's, it's Northeast dirt modifieds. We have a specific car type that more or less is only used, widely used in the Northeast, uh, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, you know, Vermont, whatever. Is that a tube, tube frame? That's a tube frame car. Yeah. Whereas most of the rest of the country uses a car that is based on the stock frame horns from like a GM car. And then the rest is fabricated from tube. Uh, mm-hmm. Our cars up here are not, but they interestingly have some kind of remnants of the early days of stock car racing from the fifties, where they would take these old Fords and strip parts off them, make them light and race them. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the front end parts, the, the kingpins where the front spindles pivot on are, are the same basic thing that was, I think on like an old Ford whatever diameter and length or whatever hasn't changed in 80 years, <laughs> whatever, mm-hmm. yeah, couple, yeah. couple of their odds and ends like that, that are just remnants of the old days. So something in that world, whether it's working on crew chiefing on a team or working with a manufacturer, uh, chassis manufacturer, shock company, drivetrain mm-hmm. company, I'd, I'd love to be able to make a good living in that business, gotcha. but I'm not seeking it out. That's just a dream. <laughs> yeah. What do you know now that you wish you'd known on day one? I hate my friend Miles for asking you to ask this question okay. because it's the hardest <laughs> question to give an answer to. I don't think though it's anything 
having to do with working on equipment. I just think it is more of, I wish knew how big of an impact and how valuable we are to the whole industry. It took me a while to figure out after going to GIS once and go to some trade shows and talking to some manufacturers, we play an important part and it, it mm-hmm. changed my perception of what we need to do. You know, we, we don't need to just work on things. We're not just mechanics to turn wrenches. We've got an important part to play. Yep. Know your value. <laughs> I, like it. I was talking to a guy another course has been a couple of years ago and he's i don't know how old he is he's already retired once and then he went back to another course and he was telling me that he gets paid for what he knows not what he does that, that's <laughs> that's where i'm trying to get yeah man i think that's where like we it. all should try to get someday yeah yeah for sure there's still a, a lifetime worth of worth of learning to gain and I'm already halfway through that lifetime. So mm-hmm. um, I better cram it in fast. <laughs> That's right. Get ready for tips and tricks. What are the latest tips and tricks you want to share with us? I don't have anything great to tell you as tricks. The one minuscule tip that I have is just something I've done out of habit. So I have a bin in the bottom of my toolbox. I save every shaft or heavy sleeve or pin or big bushing or anything that Mm -hmm. might help me make a tool or be of use to press something or push something or beat something or accomplish some task down the road. So I'll throw away a lot of stuff, but I won't throw away anything that I think might be useful for something like that, whether it's pushing something around with a shop press or whatever. Uh, If it's, if it's thick and steel, I kind of hang on to it, but kind of the reason a lot of the tips and tricks that I've heard in your, on your podcast are, but there's something that my my first superintendent kind of said to me. And it's all this stuff that we do is an application of some kind of science. So, you know, if you're heating something up to do something, it's not because you know how to use a torch. It's because you know what metal does when you heat it up or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, when you're drilling a certain kind of metal, what it's going to do. So young people coming into this industry, do the best you can at all your high school science courses. Like if yeah, you can yeah, yeah. grasp a lot from physics and math and geometry mm-hmm. and, and all that, even chemistry, you can do a lot of what we do and it's important to know those things. Otherwise you're kind of doing things blindly. So I try to learn as much as I can about the ins and outs of all that stuff, different kinds of metal and, and, and anything involving electronics, whenever I can pick something up, it might not have anything to do with anything that we work on, but it'll apply somewhere. I agree. And I like your tip. I do the same thing. I got a bin in my parts room and that's where I'll, washers spacers bushings and anything that anything that might be used to make some contraption to to get a job done that maybe you don't have the right tool for yeah yeah you can't have all the specialties i mean maybe some people have them but we don't have all the specialty tools we don't have every puller or pusher Mm -hmm. or driver or whatever and man that stuff comes in so handy all all the time and in my punch drawer i have a PTO shaft out of a tractor. So the spline part, oh, yeah. the other, you know, the other shafts, whatever, inch and a quarter or something like that. And it's, yeah. you know, whatever, 12 inches long. And it comes in handy all the time. Oh yeah. Those things are great. Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple, basically the transmission input shaft from the Baroness walk mowers. That's probably 
a foot or more long and it's pretty thick and it's got a couple different steps on it. And I've used those so many times for driving something with a heavy washer or whatever mm. in, a, in a spot where you can't get to with your regular punch or you, you couldn't put it in the shop press. All those things are super handy. What else you got you want to talk about? There was kind of a note I had, and it's something I've always thought about that obviously we know our job is important. The rest of the industry is catching up to the fact that our role is super important. If I'm doing things right, I'm going to be my superintendent's most important employee. Whether that's true or not, that's the feeling that I need to have. Like I did everything I could to be that valuable to that person that they don't want to live without me. Right, and, right, right. Uh, all the stuff I do, that's something I always think about. I'm not saying that there's a ranking of most to least important person on the golf course, but I, I always want to be that person that's like, man, this guy can figure it out for me. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. When there's yep. a situation, I can count on this guy to, to do something, not even in the shop, just in any capacity. Right. No, I, I agree. I, I want to be that guy. Sure. I want to be the go-to guy. Yeah. No matter if it's fixing something in the kitchen for the chef. Or fixing something in the cart barn for the golf staff. Right. You know, sometimes I guess frustrating fixing those type things, but I still want the phone call. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Our course provides uh, lunch for all the uh, crew members. Mm -hmm. So if anybody from the kitchen needs anything, we are on top of that because it's, it's, we are like food focused. You right, know? Right, like, right. Yeah. <laughs> if, if one of their carts isn't working right or they need their car tire aired up, we're mm -hmm. on that. <laughs> yep. So we're, we're the same way. We get lunch uh, four days a week and we'll do anything for the chefs, but well, it depends on the chef. <laughs> I will say that. So yeah. for several years, our chef was not quite up to, to speed. And we just got a new chef about two months ago and he has been killing it. So awesome. any, anything he needs, we're on it. Right <laughs> that's great that's yeah. great yep he's a, another very valued person by somebody there you know? oh yeah so. yeah the whole agronomy team values him a lot yep. especially yep. after being on the other side where it was not the best food sure sure so yeah we, we get a nice variety we're happy with uh, what they do for us and, and most all of us have been somewhere where they didn't provide lunch so it's welcome and appreciated it's a great perk and we get new employees in quite often. They're like, wow, they feed you lunch here. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's actually pretty good. Most yeah. of the time. The greatest thing is if, and I don't know if it happens at, at of course you work at Trent, but if we get an outing, say like on a Monday that gets canceled because of rain or whatever, mm -hmm. we end up eating whatever they were going to make for them. So if they come down with a couple pans full of ribs, it's like, Yep, that's right. Yeah, right. We, yeah, yeah. we had an outing canceled. We got ribs and cornbread and whatever. So the variety is there, you know. I love well, it. We had a member guest this past weekend, and I'll, so I got the two courses, and they played sitting down Saturday morning, and then they were supposed to eat a quick lunch and then go downtown for the playoff part. But anyway, I guess a lot of the guys left early and didn't eat lunch. So we had brisket on Monday and banana pudding, and it was really good. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, it was. <laughs> That's great. Well, tell the listeners how they can get a hold of you. I'm not 
huge on social media, but I can be looked up. And if you're an equipment manager or any type of golf course employee, find me on Facebook and and I'll hook up with you. Just Matt Hyde, M-A-T-T-H-Y-D-E. My email, matthyde52 at gmail.com. Golftext.net. I don't know if you're on Golf Text, Trent. Some of your listeners, I'm sure, are. I haven't been in there lately. Okay. Join up on, uh, on that. Private message me on Golf Text. That's a great resource that I enjoy. Steve puts a lot of time and money into running that mm-hmm. and well moderated, which is something I don't like uh, about a lot of the other social media forms. You can be professional and you'll get professional answers from everybody on that site. You can reach me on there. And then I do, I am on LinkedIn as well. Just my name. Matt Hyde. So any, any of those forms, uh, if you email me, want to talk about anything, I'll give you my phone number and I'm open to anything. I really enjoy this industry and I love meeting new people that we can use as a network to help each other out. Would you be interested in joining a WhatsApp group? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, I'll try it out. (laughs) I'll I'll try anything. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's basically just a text messaging app, if you will. but you can use it worldwide so like matthew that's been on the show he's in there we got a couple other i think international folks in there and we just share our daily problems or share a funny story i mean it's just it's a good community i'm glad you're doing that and i'm glad you're doing this podcast it's a small industry in general as far as things are in the world and it's, it's nice to have something like this that you know, allows people to kind of hear everyone else's stories and get some different perspective on what you're really doing, why you're doing it. And it, I think it's really helping. Thank you for that. And I do appreciate it. And that's the only reason I'm doing it is for this community. And Good. I'm so passionate about this community and I want to see it grow and I want to see us all make more money yep. and have a good time. You yep, got to make absolutely. a living doing something to support your family or yourself, whatever the yep. case may be. So might as well have fun while you're doing it. You've got to enjoy your work. I totally agree with that. Some days it's not easy to enjoy it, but most days it's rewarding. When I've had several listeners say, I kind of thought I was by myself alone and nobody else knew what I was going through. And I think it's hard because a lot of times the only news we get all day long is bad news. Yeah. This is broke or that's broke. And just knowing how to react to that. And it's not the end of the world. I think Absolutely. You know, it's pretty important. It's, it is nice to know and, and have at least a couple of guys that you can kind of rely on to, to run something by, even, even if it's just a silly question, but they know what you're talking about. It's hard to just run it by one of your buddies that isn't in the industry because it's what's important to us and what's a priority. It's hard to convey that. Well, yeah. And if you want to make a joke about something. You might have to spend 10 minutes explaining the joke. You know, but <laughs> yeah. it, that takes like all in, the funny out of it. Right, it takes all the funny <laughs> out. But in the group, you can just post a picture and everybody will laugh and know, say, yep, been there before. Had that yeah, happen that, last week or whatever the case is. That's what we need. And, you know, some people get it through, I guess, Twitter. Some people uh, get it through Instagram, Facebook uh, groups, that kind of thing. I shy away from even asking or answering some of the questions and things because i don't want to get into 
it's my profession. I don't want to get into anything that isn't a professional discussion. Well, and that's one thing I really enjoyed about the WhatsApp group is like you were talking about golf techs. I mean, there's no really negativity there. Nobody's going to give you a hard time for asking a question that they think you should have known the answer to. It's none of that. Right. And I am the moderator. So if I do see something like that, you're gone. Yep. You know, I mean, we we ain't got time for it. Life's too short. You're a hundred percent right. And that's golf tax is nice too. It's heavily moderated. There's, there's people that have been banned and I I know that the format of golf tax is, is kind of getting old and long in the tooth Mm -hmm. The forum message board type thing is, is not what, it's not what people want these days. They don't want to sit and flip through uh, a bunch of categories and you know, click on things a million times. But I think the group of guys there is, is good too. So I, I try to get on and contribute when I can and, and ask questions when I need. And, you know, met a couple of decent people out of there. Mm-hmm. I actually met up with Steve, the uh, owner or whatever, I guess he owns the website or whatever. I was the equipment manager and, uh, and a couple of fellows from Canada. We had uh, a nice steak dinner. At, what was the last GIS that we actually went to? Was that Orlando? Yep. Orlando. Yeah. At Orlando. So yeah, it was nice, nice to see a couple guys in person and have a nice dinner. Some, for some reason, I've never made it to the EM reception or any of that stuff in the couple of times I've, I've been uh, to the in-person real GIS shows, but hopefully this year we'll be semi back to, to uh, normal. I really enjoyed the opportunities I've had to go to them. I know a lot of people don't get that opportunity. I would highly recommend if you can figure a way to, to get there, to get there. If, if for nothing, just the appreciation of the industry and, yeah, and yeah, all the, all sure. the things involved with it. And if you've never been to show and you are a member, you get in one time for free. Yeah. So if you can get there, you can use your you, one free pass. I think we did that. I think we was able to do that. Um, the first time I went, and we had to pay full price the next time, but it was worth it. I've heard a lot of superintendents and GMs and whatever say it's just a party. It's a waste of money. You're not getting a lot out of it, whatever. I still think even if you didn't go to any sessions or seminars or whatever that applied to us, just going to the trade show and talking to people, yeah, yeah. I think it's worth the cost of admission just for that. I agree. And yeah, I usually learn more on the trade show floor talking to my peers than I do, you know, sitting in a class. Do you have any of those seminars or sessions that stick out to you as like, wow, I really enjoyed it or I really got something out of it? The one Jim Nedden does, I think in partnership with Foley. Anytime Jim Nedden is talking, you need to be listening. That's my opinion. <laughs> Jim Ned, and I'm not serious. He's a walking encyclopedia, but he, he normally does a class on, I think, quality of cut after cut appearance. But I, he has a sprayer class. Any class he does is excellent. I believe I went to uh, a sprayer class at one of the shows that he did. And that was good. But he actually did locally a maybe a two thirds of a day seminar at one of the local courses. They hosted a day with Jim Nedden, and it was all cutting unit quality of cut stuff. Okay. Uh, And we had some, we had some discussions. I, of course, had some hard questions. And he had some tough answers to come up with. Mm -hmm. But then we had lunch together and it was a great time. Awesome. Good deal. I remember the the class that Steven Tucker did at the 
or last Orlando. I thought he did a real nice job with his presentation. I forget what it was called. It was about real maintenance and grinding and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, it was one of the things I found so interesting. I, I, I knew a lot of what he was going to say, but I enjoyed the way he presented it. And the interesting thing is of all people, the grinder manufacturers, other than uh, Mark at SIP, had no idea what he was talking about, but they didn't know the words he was saying. But the ideas that that were being presented, some of which are contrary to the grinder manufacturers ideas i thought was interesting i kind of have some technical discussions with some of those guys i'm like hey did you, you know there's a guy that just taught a class that said this and what mm -hmm. do you think about that and they're just kind of like stumped in a way hmm. those guys should have been in the room to listen to that because right or wrong that's something that people are are paying attention to but i enjoyed i enjoyed it bottom line right, right, yeah uh, he didn't he did a real nice job so yeah gis let's do it i'm ready yep. i'll be there <laughs> all right be, uh, look me up and any of the listeners yep absolutely Love to uh shake your hand and say hello face to face yep. thank you that's so it. much matt for coming on Oh, thanks for today. having me, Trent. It's yeah. been, been a lot of fun, like it always is. Absolutely. Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing an awesome job. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. All right. We'll talk to you. All right. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Matt. Great chatting with him. He sent me some of his uh, Google Drive or Google Sheets that he put together in Google Drive. Pretty cool stuff that he's doing over there. And I love to see people taking the ball and running with it. Google Drive, the possibilities are really endless. Whatever you can come up with, you can do it. So I appreciate him sharing that with us. I asked his permission, and if so, we'll put it in the Google Drive folder that I've shared with most of the listeners. If you're interested in the Google Drive folder, it's just a big resource with all kind of tech manuals and different Google Drive stuff that we got stored in there. You can send me an email at realturntext at gmail.com or hit me up in Twitter and I will get you access. All I need is uh, your email address and it does work a little bit better with a Gmail account. Just the interaction is a little bit better. Another thing I want to encourage you is to attend GIS if possible. And if you can't come in person, they are going to have a virtual aspect this year. So make sure to check that out. I know me and Brian Bressler are doing a Google Drive class that will be virtual. And I would appreciate y'all checking that out. But just get involved. Whether it's coming to a show, going to a local seminar somewhere, getting involved with Golf Techs, or becoming a part of the Real Turf Techs WhatsApp community. Just getting your foot in the door and meeting some other people that are like-minded can go a long way for advancing your career. And even if you're not looking for career advancement, just having a, a shoulder to lean on from time to time is pretty nice. So until next week, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Real Turf Techs podcast. I hope you learned something today. Don't forget to subscribe. If you have any topics you would like to discuss or you'd like to be a guest, find us on Twitter at Real Turf Text. See you bye.